Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. I welcome everybody once again to Bible study. Uh, I want to thank God for this another opportunity. And Pastor Fred, thank you for another privilege to share God's word to God's people tonight. So I believe I have intercessors already that are praying for me. <laughs> uh, I trust God. I trust the Holy Spirit to help me uh, to say the little things that I believe he has dropped in my heart as I waited on him. Amen. So, um, we're going to press further on the subject of attitudes to become. So, I want you to minister that to your neighbor again and tell them attitude to become. Amen. Which, of course, popularly known as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. This is one of the kingdom messages that um, our Lord Jesus Christ preached. And like I said when I started, that um, I believe strongly in my heart that God's wisdom is loaded in this scripture. You know. And um, as we also wait on the Lord to reveal hidden secrets and um, yes, hidden secrets in this scripture, you get to see that there are more to read than just the words in that um, scripture. Because as I also was doing my study, in fact, the little study that I did, I was getting a whole lot of, um, you know, insights, I believe. Uh, which I'm going to share with us again tonight. And, uh, and yes, Pastor Fred will come and do broader version of that <laughs> later. Amen. Okay, so I started with um, the first um, attitude to become, the first attitude to become, uh, which was um, spiritual um, poverty, being poor in the spirit. I can call it like that, being poor in the spirit. And um, you remember that I said that actually these attitudes are, are blessings to us. They help to condition and to reposition our hearts uh, at the center of God's encounter. At the center of God's encounter. We can encounter God every day. God's desire is for his children to encounter him every day. And he also wants to encounter us every day. And he also wants us to desire to encounter him. Uh, you know, it is one thing for God to be ready to do something for us. It's another thing for the receivers or the recipients to be in the proper or the correct position to receiving what God has in stock for them. Am I correct? Ah, yes. So, um, these attitudes to become are actually the wisdom of God that not only inform us, but reveal God's strategy for every child of ease to be at the receiving hand of his encounters. And you can be sure that when God encounters you, <laughs> 
your life will not remain the same again. We've seen several examples of people who encountered God. And that God encountered, you, we, we saw that they never remain the same again. So we also, we, I, I, I want to set, I want to whet our appetite to recondition our heart, to reposition our heart intentionally because it's a attitude, all right? It's a attitude. is the wisdom of God that we deploy that helps us to be in the correct position to receive God, to encounter God, to embrace God. So another um, attitude that I want to share with us tonight, which is the second one, the last um, two weeks I dealt with um, blessed are the, what? Blessed are the poor in the spirit, for they shall, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And um, I made us understand that every attitude listed in this scripture is a blessing. Now, little wonder that every of them began with what? Blessing, and they ended up with what that blessing actually is, right? And you saw that at the end of it, I mean, when he stated the blessing, he's actually telling us of every kind or every dimension of God's encounter. Like we saw with what being poor in the spirit will release you into or will open you up into. When we are poor in the spirit, he actually strategically positions us to need God. And when God comes, then the kingdom is ours. Am I correct? Blessed are those that are poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. So God will come with his kingdom. He will come with his government. He will come with his power. He will come with his influence. And he will exert his intent, his, of course, purpose into our lives such that we become a change agent. We become a carrier of God's heavenly presence everywhere we go after all that's god's desire and that's one of the reasons he made earth and he made man because he wanted man to release the kingdom of heaven on earth as he is king in heaven he also has made man to be king over earth and one man to actually uh release his purpose his intent and his power upon the face of, his, of, of the earth, which is the kingdom of God, all right? So the kingdom of God is on earth, while the kingdom of heaven is up there. So God wants the extension of heaven on earth, and that's why he has made man. And now for us to be able to carry out God's purpose, there is the need for us to position ourselves to receiving God's empowerment, uh, to be at the center of God's encounter in order to be a blessing to this generation. Can I have an amen? So tonight I'll deal with the second one, which is um, verse 4. So, um, Lydia, please help us with our anchor scripture. Matthew chapter 5, and um, we're going to read from verse 4 today. We already dealt with verse 3, so today we go to verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be what? I want us to read it together. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be what? Now the blessing that comes with 
biblical mourning, which I'm going to explain very briefly, very soon, is what? Comfort. And many of us, of course, are familiar with mourning, right? Uh, I'm going to quickly explain what I believe true biblical mourning is and how that is another type of attitude that um, engages heaven. Are we following me tonight? Yeah. While a lot of people, of course, we know that when they mourn, they actually are expressing uh, their grievance or their displeasure for a particular loss. Are we following me now? I'm going to tell us what true biblical mourning is and how that we can channel it into our favor, how that we can channel it into our advantage, how that it can keep us at the center, just like the first attitude. In fact, all of the attitudes expose, expose us to God. They, they, they actually communicate a particular signal that God understands. Even when we ourselves don't understand many times. And we'll see some examples also, all right, to uh, accentuate my point tonight. So, as a kingdom citizen, what does it really mean to mourn? Uh, now, this is my attempt to explain what true biblical mourning is and how that we can begin to channel it uh, to encounter God. Remember, we have learned that we are not in this relationship with the Lord just for what we can get or just for what we can get him to do for us. We know pretty much that this relationship we're in is for the essence. What essence is for the essence of intimacy. It's for the essence of knowing God. It's for the essence of, of, of identifying ourselves with him. Rather than ask God for what he can do for us, we, we, we just want to spend time to know what his heart is. We want to find out what truly he wants. Part time, part season. We are concerned with what is important to the Lord. Not, I mean, putting our egotistical self or our self-centered self, just asking God for what he can do. No, rather than pursue after the act of God, in this relationship, what we do is to pursue the God of the act. Are we following me tonight? Yeah. So, uh, another attitude that puts us in that position where we pursue the God of the act, rather than the act of God, is what we're about to talk about tonight. So, what is true mourning? Now, I said true biblical mourning is not just an expression of sorrow or grief for loss. Rather, it is a sincere expression of a believer's dissatisfaction, displeasure, and discontentment over any situation. Let me say that again. True biblical mourning is not just an expression of sorrow or grief for loss. Rather, it is a sincere expression of one's dissatisfaction, displeasure, and discontentment over any 
situation. And most of the time, when a believer expresses this, this kind of um, attitude or this kind of emotion, right, it is him trying to open himself or herself for God's intervention. Are we following me tonight? It is not just to magnify the situation. It's not just to uh, make whatever situation it is now, be it bad. It, it, it is not just to, 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 to make it a big deal. But rather, you are taking a position where you are actually calling forth what can be done about this seemingly bad situation. What or how can we turn this situation around? So a believer is not just weeping, just lamenting, or just you know uh, shedding tears, but rather he or she is actually taking up an attitude where he or she is beckoning on God for a change. So a true biblical mourning actually put on this attitude to call for intervention, heavenly intervention, divine intervention. What change can be done about this? It's just like, in fact, it comes like a burden many times. It's like, I don't know if any of us have been there, you know, where we just feel this kind of discontentment when we see some of of our friends that don't know the Lord yet. I don't know if anybody has been there. Where you just, you, 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 you feel kind of dissatisfied. You feel kind of discontent. You, you, you are like, no, this cannot continue like this. How can I be enjoying God and then I have my friends that don't even have anything to do with my Savior. Now we kind of mourn. It might not be publicly, but in the spirit, we feel this kind of, you know, grief. Because we, we, we are thinking, I can't afford to lose this person. I love him so much that I don't want to lose him. And then we express that grief. We express, you know, that uh, displeasure. And what that would do to us is to move us to a, a position where we now engage heaven. Are we following me tonight, brethren? where we engage heaven as regard that soul. Lord, I feel sad about this this person going to hell. I know you can do something about it, and I've come to bring him to you in prayer before I bring you to him. So I'm bringing him to you first because now you see you have tuned in into biblical mourning where he has now place the burden on you to stand as an intercessor in order to save a soul. I hope I'm driving home the point tonight. I hope we are getting something out of this. So, it's not just um, an expression for loss. In fact, you, 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 you are thinking of instead of the loss of this person, what can be done in order to save this soul that is about to be lost. 
That's what biblical mourning will make you do. Biblical mourning will not make you celebrate the loss that would have happened, but rather it would move you in the position to do what can be done in order to save a soul that could have been lost. Are, are, we, are we together tonight? All right, another meaning that I wrote here, we're going to read some texts pretty soon where we would see uh, where these attitudes were actually displayed. In fact, by our Lord Jesus Christ. I think I have a scripture or two here that would help us to understand better what I'm saying. But I hope you are getting something already. Amen. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So it means every time that we, exp- that we put on this attitude, uh, the good news is that there is comfort eventually. There is comfort eventually. You don't go to the Lord and intercede for a soul to be saved and God does not do something about it. So when God shows up concerning that situation, concerning that person, that object that you expressed uh, displeasure or dissatisfaction on, that you know in your mind, in your spirit, that it can be better than this. What we get as outcome is what? Comfort. Say, for example, we we prayed, like I said, a displeasure over a soul that we love, that we thought in our heart that if we don't do something about this, this person will just rot in hell. When we know that there's a package readily available that can save them, that can help them to get eternal security in God and enjoy relationship with our Savior, then you go to the Lord in prayer. What happens eventually is God shows up. And then when God shows up, this person eventually becomes hungry or thirsty for God. Please, what do you call that? Isn't that comfort to you? So one way or the other, you are comforted because finally you got him or finally you got her or a particular situation has been, you know, happening in your life and you are not just cool with it. You express displeasure. You don't just cry and cry and cry and cry until you have no strength within you to cry like, you know, those uh, people that, that uh, have associated with us, recover hall. You know, David and his mighty men, they cried until they had no strength in them. No, you don't just cry over any situation. Whatever situation it is, the Bible makes it clear that all things work together for good. And we know that all is all. Am I right? So the situation may not be good. The situation may not be a, 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 it may not be a cool or a pleasant one, but you don't allow yourself to go through a similarly bad situation without getting something good out of it. You can get something better from any situation, whether bad, good, or whatever. The Bible says all things work together for good. So don't allow yourself to go through any situation whatsoever without getting what is the need for you. God always has a message in every situation, good or bad. When it doesn't cause the bad to happen, it still can turn it around for your good. When you channel your morning such that it communicates help 
It's like you're dialing 911. When we mourn, biblical mourning, it's like you're dialing 911. You're calling, mayday, mayday, help. And heaven looks down. Who's the one calling on us this, this morning or this afternoon or this evening? And God shows up. So biblical mourning expresses a, dis- a dissatisfaction, a genuine dissatisfaction, displeasure, and discontentment over any situation in an attempt to salvage the situation. Are we following tonight? Amen. Number two, I said it is the heart cry of a kingdom citizen. Okay, maybe I said this before. Crying for a change. Crying for a change. It is the heart cry of a kingdom citizen. Crying for a change. Let's look at this scripture very quickly. Um, Media, please help me with Exodus. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23. Very quickly, we are familiar with that scripture where we saw how that the children of Israel in captive mourned. In fact, the Bible said they sighed unto the Lord. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. Another uh, translation rendered it as mourn. And they cried. And, they, they, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. Look at verse 24. And God heard their groaning. Or in other words, God heard their mourning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Verse 25. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God Add respect unto them. In other words, God showed up because they mourned unto God. They mourned unto God. They released their heart cry to Jehovah, to the God of their salvation, because they wanted a change. What change were they uh, expecting from God? They wanted liberty. They wanted total deliverance. These people had been bonded for over 400 years. And they mourned to God. And God looked down. So sometimes when we mourn as a result of maybe we don't even have words to say. To represent the situation we are in. Because we all fall into that kind of situation where we don't even know we cannot just um, translate it in words to God in prayer. I don't know if you have been there. Where All you can just do is to mourn. Is to cry. Say Lord, I don't even know what to say right now. But I know that you know. That we both know that you understand this situation. I, I don't even have words to quantify it. Than just to cry on your bosom. Than just to weep on your chest. Because I know that beyond my words, <laughs> my mourn make meanings to you. You understand better how I feel. The Bible says, for we have not an high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Right? So even when others don't have a clue what you are going through. 
you know, that you can't even share with anybody what you're going through. And all that you could do in your prayer closet or alone with the Lord or just alone by yourself is to just, you know, cry, mourn, express, you know, some discontentment. Lord, no. <laughs> Things can be better. This is, not, this is not what it should be like. I know you have better plans for me. No, 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 no. I, I, I believe there is more. I believe there is more than what it is right now. And I'm crying for a change. So biblical mourning, true mourning, actually is the outcry of a citizen for a change. A change for the better. A change for God's best and perfect plan. Because God has not kept these things away from us. The Bible says, for I know the thought that I have towards you. Thought of good. To give you a future and a hope. To give you an expected end. So when things are happening that doesn't align with God's promise. When things are happening that it doesn't look like, hey, hey, what's going on here? Then you mourn. You want to go to God. The kind of mourning that sets you up in the position to receiving an encounter from the Lord. Or to be encountered by the Lord. That is what biblical mourning is going to do to you. It's going to uh, humble you. It's going to humble you. In fact, all of these attitudes are attitudes of humility. You know, they just... They just, they just reposition you from within your heart such that God looks down and he sees a hoping heart, a heart that is ready for God's visitation, a heart that sees no help from elsewhere but from above, from the Lord. It is the heart crying of a citizen of the kingdom, crying for a change. Why is he crying for a change? Because there is always light at the end of the turning. So you see why I said the biblical money is different from just a, 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 an expression or an expression of grief or sorrow for loss. No, it doesn't end there. He, he does that or, he, 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 or she does that because he sees to the end of that situation. He sees that there is something better than what I'm going through right now. There is something far better. I think 2 Corinthians 4, I don't remember the verse now. I hope it is what I'm, I'm, I'm about to say. It says that while we look not on the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen are what? Eternal. So morning actually refocus your attention from what you can see into what you cannot see. That you only see through the lens of faith. So you, you know that this good is here. Now you will not allow yourself to be distracted by the situation around. By the circumstances. So it's like while you are mourning, you know, many times we shed the tears. The tears actually wear away the cataract. Or the impurities that would have, you know, uh, make the vision blurry. 
He actually washes them away so we can see clearly to the end of the tunnel and see that there is really light at the end of the tunnel. Are we following me tonight, church? So, the biblical morning helps us to cry to God for a change. It is the outcry of a kingdom citizen crying for a change. Because there is always light at the end of the tunnel. Like the children of Israel did in Exodus 2. They believed God. And the only way they could have reached out to God in their instance is to mourn, is to cry. And the Bible makes it clear that God understood beyond words all that they were going through. And he came. He gave them comfort. He gave them comfort. Look at um, Isaiah. Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 3. Media, can you help us with that very quickly? This is what happens after we have mourned to the Lord. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, said your God. Verse 2. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that our warfare is accomplished, that our iniquities is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And verse 3. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So biblical morning actually opened up a highway for God to enter and transform our situation around. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And then the third thing I believe that I have here that explains what true biblical meaning means. And how that he opens us up for God's uninterrupted visitation. True mourning is another way believers exchange their burdens. What looks impossible for God's victory. And Jesus' rest for their yoke. I said, true biblical mourning is another way believers exchange their burdens, impossibilities, for God's victory. God's possibilities. And how we exchange uh, uh, Jesus' rest for our yoke. You know, we exchange, there's, there's an exchange in the place of biblical mourning. Let's take a look at Matthew 11 verse um, 28 through 30. We are familiar with this scripture. Very quickly, I want us to read it together. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and lean on me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When we Put on the attitude of mourning. Mourning unto God. And when we mourn unto God, like I said, is dissimilar to the kind of mourning that is common in the world. In fact, we, 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 we saw an example in the scripture, I believe in, 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 in the book of John, where Jesus raised Lazarus. Maybe we should quickly check it. Let's turn our Bibles very quickly to John 11, chapter 23 to 25. 
through 35. We're going to read it very quickly. We saw there some professional mourners. Now, those guys were mourning for money. <laughs> now, you see that that's a different money than this one that we are talking about. Two mornings actually happened in that scripture. Jesus also mourned too in that scripture. And then we had professional mourners that mourned before Jesus' mourning, right? Let's, let's take a look at it very quickly. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Verse 24. Very quickly. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Verse 26. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Verse 27. She said unto him, Yes, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. We should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went away and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master is come and call it for thee. And verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Verse 30, now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The, the, Jews, when, the Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying she goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And we know the end of the story. Mary and Martha wept. I think there's um, a particular verse that told us about the professional mourners. Where they mourn also. I think that was um, some, some verses before that. Um, those verses we read. Where, of course... They were making mockery. When, oh, okay, maybe that, that's another uh, illustration. But there's a particular one that talks about professional mourners. Now, we're not talking about professional mourners. We're not talking about that kind of mourning that all that it does is just to exert your uh, energy and then nothing happens eventually. Biblical mourning does not just happen. It, it is born from within. And then it leads to a change. In fact, it invokes a change. Like we saw Jesus did. The Bible said he, he, he groaned in the spirit. He groaned in the spirit. He mourned in the spirit. You know, people saw physical weeping. But Jesus actually, what he did was spiritual. So true biblical mourning is spiritual. It's, it's, it's born out of the spirit. Maybe sometimes it can start in the flesh, but when it is done in the spirit, it actually calls for a change. It actually calls for a transformation. It's like a burden that you bear. And then when you come to the place of exchange, you release it before the Lord, and you don't go back home the same way. God actually gives you back the solution. To whatever situation you have tabled before him. Not with words. But just 
morning before him because your heart already communicated everything that God needs to know. After all, he knows even before you came. Because most of the time, we don't even have the energy to utter words. Have you been in that kind of situation where all that you can do at that point is just to sigh? <sighs> or to just weep? Say, Lord, you know how I am feeling right now. I, I know you can do something about it. I know you can turn this thing around. I don't even know how to report it to you, but I, I believe that you can do something. And you just mourn before the Lord. You just mourn in the spirit, just you know, mourn in the spirit, pray in the spirit. It's coming out in form of tears and weeping and all of that. God sees the heart and it comes, it shows up and turns things around. As we saw in the example that I just shared with us. So this is another attitude that every believer should, should deploy when we come before the Lord. We don't just, God does not just want us to come and lament before him. No, our, our mourning, our lamentation can bring about a change. In fact, I, 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 I just found out that the lamentation of Jeremiah actually brought about change. In fact, changes in a lot of situations. It was not just a lamentation for loss. It was a lamentation that actually reached heaven and called for God's intervention. And God actually showed up. He did a lot, of, a lot of changes, a lot of regeneration, repentance, you know, deliverance, change as a whole. So our morning, true biblical morning, actually positions us for God's intervention. It positions us for what God alone can do, even when it is a no-no for the world, even when we have reached our tether's hand, even though we have reached to the end of our wits, where we have no clue what to do anymore. We can come to God and weep on him and mourn on him. I think I have one final thing here this morning, this evening. Now, I said your mourning means and communicate to God that you need his help. Not just that you need his help, but that you want him. You, you don't just want his help. Rather, you, you want him as your help. It is one thing to desire God's help. It's another thing to see God as the help that you need. God can show up and help you in a situation. Whereas you can have God with you. Like Psalm 91 verse 15. I will be with you in trouble. Now, this is not... I will, I, will, I will send help to you in your trouble. No, I will be there. I will be there. Your mourning can attract God's, not just God's help, but God himself. Such that he is there with you. And when God is in trouble with you, we already know what happens to trouble. 
<laughs> it means there is no trouble anymore because can trouble stand God? Can any situation stand God? No. I've never seen it. So our biblical morning opens us up to God's intervention. He opens us up to God. He, 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 he communicates to God that we want him. Lord, we do not just want your act, but we want you. We want you because we know that when we have you, then we have your heart. When we have or when we win your smile, then we know we can move your hand. And as a matter of fact, God's hands already moved. It is not our prayers or our fasting that actually moves God. Those things we do, prayer and fasting, moves us. They move us into the position to receiving what God already made available for us. God already moved 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus on the cross. So, who left to be moved is us. And this is another position that moves us. It's, it's, it's selfless. It's selfless mourning. It is not a mourning to just show dissatisfaction for the damage that has been done. No. It is, it is a mourning that sees that something has been damaged, but God can still fix what has been damaged. So while I'm discontent, I'm, I'm dissatisfied with what had already gone wrong, I, I'm calling for help. I'm, I'm, I'm As I wrap up this um, exhortation today. Okay, so let's read it together one more time. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I didn't read it this way. Blessed are they that mourn, for they open themselves up to the comfort of God. They open themselves up for divine visitation. They open themselves up to receiving God's in whatever situation that they are in. Are we going to adjust our attitude and deploy the wisdom of biblical mourning tonight so that we don't just view any situation that we find ourselves or that we find people that are close to us as that is the end of it. No. That's not the end of any situation until God says so. That's the mentality that biblical mourning is going to do to us. We don't see that anything has ended until we have first consulted with God. Until we have first engaged heaven into the situation. So, it is not the end of it until God says so. This thing is not impossible. Oh, sorry. This thing is, you don't call it impossible unless God cannot handle it. And is there anything that God cannot handle? I've never seen it. I've never seen it. So, biblical mourning helps to humble us in such a way that while we are set up to receiving God's encounter, it also helps our vision to see 
what God can do. He also helps our vision to see clearly the true content of every situation. And I'm praying for us tonight that God will help us as citizens of the kingdom to begin to deploy all these attitudes and reposition our hearts to receiving God's encounter in every area of our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, I think I'm going to hand it away. Hallelujah. I believe you got something out of that tonight. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's just say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for what I believe that you have said. I, I, I thank you because you will expound your word in the heart of your people tonight. More than what I have said and even what I did not say. You will help them to grasp your word in its fullness and to begin to act it out in the name of Jesus. Lord, we position ourselves to receiving your encounter. We want to encounter you daily, not some days, but every day. And so we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit to help us to realign our hearts such that we receive the help of God and we receive the visitation of God and our lives will not be the same again within Jesus mighty name I have prayed amen amen praise the Lord hallelujah hallelujah